built uh, today's, actually this entire Easter season, we built around a systematic walking you through the story of Luke, uh, the story that Luke tells us about Jesus last week, starting with his triumphal entry and going through the, the Last Supper. Now we find ourselves in the garden. It's Good Friday. And I wanted to stop and pause here. So tonight we're going to stop and pause in the garden. It was a hot Oklahoma summer day. It was one of those really hot ones. I was uh, 16 years old, and I had a business back in those days. I mowed, I mowed grass for money. Other guys worked for $3.25 an hour. I worked for about 10 bucks an hour mowing grass. Well, one of my... Um, loose affiliates had, um, had a job that he needed to do, but he couldn't do it, so he asked me if I would do this job uh, for 20 bucks. Now, for me, that's about two to two and a half hours work max. I showed up with my push mower because I was too poor to have a rider, and I showed up with my 21-inch push mower to see a four-acre field. I pushed for over six hours that day in the 100-degree heat of Oklahoma, asking myself the question, is $20 worth it? I just wanted to quit. I just wanted to run away. I wanted to leave the job undone. Do you ever feel that way when it comes to temptation? Do you ever feel like you're mowing a five-acre field <laughs> with a push mower in 100-degree heat, and that you'll never beat temptation, but temptation always beats you, and that it's too big of a fight, and all you want to do is quit and run away? Do you try to resist temptation and get your butt kicked? Am I the only person that gets my butt kicked regularly by temptation? Come on. All right. You're here. Do you ever want to do God's will, but it seems like it's impossible? that it's just too much to ask? Do you ever feel you're just push mowing and there has to be a better way? Yeah, the guy that, uh, that I was taking over had a riding lawnmower and I had a push mower. There was a better way. I just wasn't using it. Well, today we're going to look at a passage about how Jesus overcame temptation and the better way that we can too. It's in Luke chapter 22, verse 39, and I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of God's Word. We're going to read this story, and uh, if you've got a Bible, you might want to follow along. Luke chapter 22, verse 39. Jesus went out. Look at those next two words. Jesus went out. What are those next two words? As usual. To the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching, what are those next two words? Not any place, the place. He went out as usual to the place. He said to them, what did he say to them there? Pray that you will not fall into temptation. Y'all with me? Pray that you won't do it. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel 
It's sort of interesting. We'll talk about this in a second, but these two verses are debated, these next two, whether or not they're in the original text. Um, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and he, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like great drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. I have yet to come up with the true meaning of that, exhausted from sorrow. But I think they knew something was going on. Anybody ever struggle with temptation and halt gets in the way? You know what halt is, right? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. You're more likely to give in to whatever you're fighting if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. So if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, you should withdraw from that and find a safe place to go or else you're going to give in to that same temptation again. Anybody with me? All right. So they were exhausted from sorrow. And what happened? They were probably... Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, and they all fell asleep. And Jesus said to them, Why are you sleeping? Why are you sleeping? Get up and do what? Pray that you will not fall into temptation. Father, I pray that tonight you would let this Good Friday service be more than just a religious ritual we go through this time of year. But I pray tonight you would breathe life into this room. And that hearts that are here would make a decision that they will act like Jesus in the garden rather than like the disciples in the garden. And tonight would be a turning point where we step into the way of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Turn and smile at somebody real big before you're seated tonight. Let them know that somebody cares about them and say hi to somebody close to you. Now, Good Friday is always more of a somber tone. It's so somber, I actually wear a suit on Good Friday because I only wear suits when I'm marrying, marrying and burying. If uh, you see me in a suit, somebody's getting married or somebody's getting buried, and Good Friday is a reminder of the death and the burial of Jesus. So I think it's appropriate for me to wear a suit, a reminder of his death. So um, that's why it's a little bit more of a somber tone. It's intentional. It's thought through. We'll celebrate plenty later on, but I think there's a somberness to this night that we need to embrace. And there are three statements we can make about Jesus from this passage about how he mastered the temptation. The first one is Jesus was disciplined. If you're having a problem overcoming temptation, I'm going to say that's probably because in a certain area of your life, you're not disciplined enough. Notice that Jesus' life was rooted in spiritual discipline, and his prayer time was a spiritual discipline rooted in discipline. He had a place and a time. We pointed that out, Luke twenty-two thirty-nine. 39. Jesus went out as usual. This was not an anomaly for Jesus to pray. He did it on a regular basis. We'll find that out in a second. But it wasn't not only an anomaly, but he had a place and he had a time. And some of us, our spiritual lives are weak because we have never actually set aside a place and a time where we meet with God. First thing in the morning, I get up, I make coffee, I sit down on my couch, and I open my Bible and begin to read. That is my first thing in the morning, is I start with the Scriptures every day. I have a place and I have a time. And if I don't do it, I get grumpy. Do you know why? Because if I don't brush my teeth, I get grumpy. 
If I don't take a shower, I'm off all day long. Why wouldn't we want to be a people that if we don't read the Bible, we're a little off too? Shouldn't we be a people whose spiritual disciplines are actually strong enough to guide us and sustain us through life? He had a time, he had a place, Luke 21, 37. Each day. How many days? Each day, day, every one. Jesus was teaching in the temple. And then each what? Evening. Evening. He went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives. So the night that he goes out there to pray was not an anomaly. It was a normal pattern and habit for his life to spend time praying after he had worked hard all day. Some of you aren't morning people. I'm morning people. Some of you are night people. Any night, any night owls in the room? Yeah, maybe your time to meet with God is at night. Those of us like me, I, I got to do it first thing in the morning, and the earlier the better. You know, I like to, I like to wake up the, the birds in the morning. But he went out each evening, Jesus did, to spend the night at a hill called the Mount of Olives. And the people came early in the morning to hear him at the temple. So the discipline of prayer was an established habit of Jesus' life. I, I found this years ago. I read this book called The Power of, the Power of Habit by a guy named Charles Duhigg. I read this book. It was a great book. Um, It's a leadership book. But what I found out when I was reading this book is that that habit, a simple change of a single habit, changes the trajectory of your entire life. Do you know people who lose weight, a lot of weight, and they keep it off? People who lose weight and keep it off. You know what they found to be among almost every single one of them, a habit that they did daily? That first thing in the morning, they would get on a scale and weigh themselves. Why? It was a daily course direction for their life. I have a habit that changed my life. I was in college, and my gums started hurting, and they started bleeding. And I went to the dentist, and the dentist said to me, you should floss every day. Now, I don't know about you, but I hate to floss. I've been doing it for nearly 40 years, and I still hate to floss. Anybody in the room? Yeah, I just hate it. I hate it. Do you know what I do immediately when I get out of the shower first thing in the morning? Do you know what I do? I floss. Do you know why? I'm going to tell myself as I'm flossing, if I do this habit that I hate so bad, there's nothing the rest of the day I can't do. So what I want to encourage you is there are some habits that you can put in your life. Don't add 30, add one. And I'm going to give you a habit I want you to add to your life, all right? For the next 90 days, we're going to be working through the stories of Jesus here in this auditorium. And for the next 90 days, you're going to hear this often, I want you to read through the book of Luke with me. Read a little bit, read a lot, but just work it out so that in 90 days you can finish the book of Luke. I think you can do that, right? It's what, 26 chapters? You can do that. That's a half a chapter. Well, that's a third of a chapter of a day for 90 days. You can do that, right? Would we be like Jesus and embrace the power of discipline? Number two, first thing is Jesus was disciplined. Second thing is Jesus was submitted. You know, real communication with God isn't bringing a laundry list to your prayer time and then expecting God to give you everything you ask. I 
don't know where we got that idea of this is what prayer is. I ask God, God does what I tell him to. Where did we get that idea? Wherever you got it, you didn't get it from the Bible. You didn't get it from real practical experience. You got it from some pagan idea of who God is or maybe some heretic spouting stuff in Jesus' name that doesn't know what he's talking about. So what I would like you to do is I'd like you to see that Jesus teaches us how to pray here. Jesus was submitted. Luke twenty-two forty-two. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And then it says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, being in anguish. He prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like great drops of blood falling from the ground. So the question always comes up. Um, if you've got an NIV study Bible or something, you've got an NIV Bible, you'll see a footnote there, and down at the bottom it says, many early manuscripts don't have verses 43 and 44. So I did some real research on this so I can handle this in 30 seconds. Y'all ready? I mean, I read hours. Not, not hours, but I, I probably read 30 minutes on this. Y'all ready? Some people were uncomfortable with Jesus being too human. And they're like, he didn't, he's God, he doesn't need help, so they nixed him out. There you go. But we still got him, don't we? All right? My question isn't a couple of verses we don't really know the meaning of. My question is, would we pay attention to the verses we really do know the meaning of? Are, are y'all following me here? If you ever run into questions in the Bible, you don't have to know everything about it. You can, there's plenty right there you do know. Why don't you just stick with what you know rather than questioning what you don't know? That was good. That was really good. So, his hum, Jesus' humanity is on the surface. He, uh, he needs an angel to help him because he's in such anguish he can't even strengthen himself. And he's sweating great drops of blood. By the way, this is a hematohydrosis. I had to say that 45 times to get it right, and I'm not sure I did. And this is, um, this is what happens when a person is under such sweat and anguish and they're under such intense uh, uh, anguish in their own heart that sometimes they sweat blood. And this is a, actually a, a, um, a physical thing that happens. And it's funny to me that a doctor is the one that mentioned it. Anyway, Jesus' prayer tells us what we do know about Jesus being submitted. He prayed this. Hey, God, can you take this cup away? And, um, you think Jesus really wanted to suffer and die? Has anybody seen the Passion of the Christ? Remember the beating scene? I watch a beating scene, and I'm like, when are they going to be done? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? And then they take Jesus out, and they crucify him on a tree. And I'm thinking to myself, these people hung there. He couldn't breathe. And every time he pulled up on that, that, that cross and those splinters and that Come on, those splinters rubbing up against the back that was already ripped open with the flesh and maybe part of his intestines hanging out. How would you... Did, and Jesus says, hey, God, I don't want to do this. Do you know it's okay to tell God how you really feel about things? So Jesus started by saying, I don't want to do this. He knew the price of the cross, and he said, I don't want to. And the second thing he said is, hey, can we find a different way? Can you take this cup away from me? But I want you to notice what Jesus did say. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. 
And what I'd like to talk to us about prayer in our lives, we need disciplines, but we also need something that I don't find a lot in today's culture. We need to be fully submitted to the God who loves us and has a plan for our life. Fully submitted, fully submitted. By the way, when you're fully submitted, you can still say, I don't like it. What are you doing? Are y'all following me here? Some of us think fully submitted is, you know, we just sort of walk around, yes, whatever. No, it's not. You can have a real relationship with God and push back against him. But when you get to the end of it, God's still God. You're not. So real, real prayer is bringing your desires. And I wish somebody had told me this years ago. Real prayer, if you want to know how to pray, real prayer is to bring my asking and my desires in alignment with what God wants. I believe there is a mountain of, of unanswered prayers in heaven because they've never been prayed. There are things that God wants to bless you with that you will never receive because you never ask him for it because you didn't think to ask him for it because all you ever pray about is your selfish little stuff. And what God said is if you will align your thoughts and your wills with me and you will submit to my way, there is a mountain of blessings you've never even thought about that I want to pour out on you. Submit. And then the last thing we need to know in this passage, Jesus overcame. The whole passage is about temptation. I, you can go back and reread it. The whole passage is about temptation. Jesus tells them twice, watch and pray so that you will not, what? You will not fall into temptation. The whole thing's about temptation. Even Jesus himself, I'm tempted. Jesus could have walked away in that moment and not have gone to the cross. And he's being tempted and he's saying, God, I don't want to. And he's submitting anyway. And the whole thing is about temptation. He wanted to run from the cross and I can't blame him. In Matthew 4.15, uh, sorry, Hebrews 4.15, it says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just like us. Yet he did not sin. You see, Jesus understands your temptation. He's had them all, and he knows how to win so that you can overcome you do it by disciplines. You do it by submission. But the third thing you do is you got to just stay with it. Amen. Don't quit. Overcome. You can never beat me because I will never quit. And I don't care if I'm mowing for six hours in 100-degree heat. I will not be beaten. That's why we need some stubbornness and tenacity in this world to overcome temptation. Jesus overcame temptation, proving that we can overcome too. It doesn't matter what it is. Now, Jesus warned the disciples that they would be tempted. You remember Luke twenty-two forty? 40. He said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Luke twenty-two forty-five. He rose from prayer, went back to the disciples. He found them sleep, exhausted with sorrow. Why are you sleeping? Asked them, get up and pray so you not fall into temptation. You know what's funny? Catch this with me. Everybody, everybody just think about this for a second. Jesus is praying, they're sleeping. Jesus is tempted, he wins. They're sleeping, not praying, and in about five minutes, all the disciples lose the temptation. All of them. 
It says it in Matthew 26, 56. All the disciples deserted him and fled. You see, they didn't pray. They didn't do what Jesus said. They didn't persevere. They didn't win, so they lost. And the story of Peter's denial that follows in this passage, man, it is heart-wrenching. Luke twenty-two sixty-two. 62. Peter went outside and he wept bitterly. The disciples all failed the temptation test because they weren't disciplined, because they weren't submitted, and because they weren't stubborn enough to overcome. What I want to challenge you tonight, I could make this about anything tonight, but I think this is the story that God laid on my heart for tonight. I want to challenge you as real as I know how to challenge you that it's time for you to step into spiritual disciplines. Will you read the Bible with us for the next 90 days? The book of Luke. Come on, you can read the book of Luke in 90 days, can't you? All right? Let's embrace that spiritual discipline. Can we also then submit to Jesus? In your prayer times, when you pray, would you stop giving God the same laundry list and would you ask him a very simple question, okay? Y'all ready? This will change your world. God, what do you want me to pray about? Hey, God, what do you want to talk about? Don't you love it? Does anybody have anybody in your life that every time they talk to you, they always have their agenda, and as soon as their agenda is done, they move on? Does anybody have one of those in your life? I have one of those. Oh, my goodness. I dread the phone calls. Do you all know what I'm talking about? If it's always all about them, I just don't even like talking to them. There's never any, what are you up to? What do you want? What do you think? In your prayer time, let's revolutionize your prayer time. Instead of it being a a monolithic, monotone monologue, how about you invite God to talk to you? Hey, God, what do you want to talk about? I just read in the book of Luke, is there something you want to talk about? And then... Submit. And then just be stinking stubborn and overcome. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. But if you'll practice these things, you're going to find yourself beating temptation. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to all mankind. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted. Do y'all catch this? Beyond what you can handle. No temptation is greater than you can handle. You can overcome it. But when you're tempted, hey, listen, if your spiritual disciplines are in place, your submission is in place, and your stubbornness is in place, you're going to win. You're going to win. I think I ought ought to do this. I think I ought to ask you tonight. There are some of you in this room. You just are not. You're not winning anything because you're not submitted to Jesus. I mean, you're submitted to your own lust, your own desires. You're submitted to whatever the wind blows now. You're not submitted to Jesus. And there's a good place to start right now. Would you? Would you submit to Jesus? I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me on this, on this night when Jesus died. On this night, remembering his victory over death 
remembering his victory over sin by the sacrifice he gave. I'm going to ask you, will you submit to Jesus right now and give him your life? If you're in this room right now and you need to give Jesus your life, it is your time, your day to submit to him and make him your Lord. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand really, really high. I want to pray with you right now. Yes. Are there others in this room? Yes. for dying for me. I give you my life. I submit to you. Be my Lord. You now have my life. Please give me yours. Amen. If you prayed that and you meant it, you'll deal. You know what just happened? You were made new in Jesus Christ. Right now, this space, write it on your calendar. 